Hello and welcome to The Sopranos Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. Today we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 7 of The Sopranos, titled In Camelot. This episode aired April 18th, 2004. It was written by Terrence Winter and it was directed by Steve Buscemi. Here is the HBO synopsis for this episode. His father's longtime Gumar sheds light on some of Tony's lingering emotional and financial mysteries. Meanwhile, Junior sees the upside of attending the funerals of fringe relatives, while Christopher sees the downside of enabling an AA friend's new addiction. Well, is it Chris that sees the downside? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) I think he sees nothing but upside. (laughs) I know. That's kind of silly, but uh, it's true. Uh, Yeah, he does. Um, You know, I always realize that in certain podcasts, the hosts always ask each other, how are you doing? Yeah. How's it going? And I find that always funny because obviously they already saw each other. Like we never say it because I see you every day. Right. So I don't have to ask you that for the sake of people listening to this. Yeah. But as you can tell, my voice is shot a bit. So apologies for anyone listening to this horrendous thing coming out of my mouth. Um, (laughs) We'll try to... We'll try to make this as quick and painless as possible. Oh, it's not that bad. Thanks. Just sound like an older version of yourself. Cool. Perfect for Fran. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Uh, well, let's start off with this. Uh, <clears throat> already I caught. My voice got caught. Um, <laughs> opening scene. Uh, kind of a, uh, a makeup between Tony and Janice, right? Because they had the huge blow up. Um, obviously, the roadie comment yeah all that we saw last week's episode they were at bobby's for sunday dinner but tony was not there Uh, but now they've kind of made up and they tony invited bobby and the kids over and janice and so they're they're sharing a night together Mm mm-hmm yes and uh the kids are watching beethoven yeah which you think is a throwaway but it's really not a throwaway (laughs) at all yeah uh, the dog in Beethoven reminds Tony of his dog, Tippy. Yes. Right? Tippy. Yeah. And uh, this is kind of like a funny thing here where I kind of forgot a lot about this episode. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize that there's going to be any more significance to Tippy at all. Right. But, uh, you know, Janice and Bobby have kind of a good laugh at Tony's expense because they're like, oh, you thought that like your dad you know, took the dog to an actual farm. That's always a euphemism for we had the dog put down. Right. Right. The fact that in his, you know, adult years, Tony still believed that. Right. Is very funny. Yeah. Then he gets a phone call um, that his aunt uh, has passed away. His older aunt. Yeah. Conchetta. Yeah. Conchetta. So that takes us to the next scene in the funeral. Now we got Carmela there. Uh, some of the other extended family members, including Junior, right. who has uh, arrived to enjoy the day. Yeah, and he is uh, pretty chipper, yeah. I guess, even though he's in a graveyard, which is sort of a hint about where his whole story is going Yeah. Uh, this episode. Tony's like, hey, you know, we're at the family cemetery. Do you want to pay your respects to your brother, my dad? And Junior's just like, hell no. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank why, you. Why should he? Why should he waste the fresh air on yeah. being maudlin, as he says? Right. Um, yeah. The uh, It's funny, too, that, you know, Tony wants to visit his father's grave. You know, right next to his father's grave is his mother's grave. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, it's you know, right away to junior. Do you want to pay respects to my dad? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where 
Tony meets Fran Felstein. Right. Old Gumar. Yeah. And she is an interesting new character, one of two Mm -hmm. uh, introduced in this episode, although Fran is a standalone character. She is, yeah. And uh, yeah, right away, uh, this is an interesting kind of character, right? Because she's obviously older, but there's kind of this hint that she's not quite accepting that. You know, she has the very kind of like brightly dyed hair, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like form-fitting clothing for an older woman. Yeah. Uh, Tony is charmed by her. Yeah, right away, he puts it all together, who she was in relation to Mm -hmm. his dad. And that's a very, like, psychologically weird thing to be confronted with, uh, you know, in your adult age to, to be meeting your dad's mistress right yeah and you know normally a child uh even you know an adult age right Mm -hmm. would be a little miffed uh meeting a mistress or um i don't know what what's the man version of mistress when the wife's Uh, cheating you know whatever that guy is yeah what is that? Uh, <laughs> whoever that is. But you would think, you know, naturally, logically, that this would be a source of anger to you. But what's really important about Tony is that he sort of enjoys it in a way. Like, he doesn't have a problem with it. No. Uh, in fact, all it does is remind him of his anger towards Livia. Yeah, right? exactly. You know? Yeah, we get that old line. Yeah. At least she didn't suffer. She made all of us suffer instead. Fran makes this comment and it's always something that I've thought about in this episode. You know, I don't think Fran intentionally used Tony in any way to, you know, gain what she gains out of his, this meeting. It's not possible, but she does bring up right here in the beginning. Like, you know, your dad always said, if I ever needed anything, I could always go to your, I could always go to his son. And Tony catches that and says, so what do you need? You know, and she's like, nothing, nothing at all. Well, she does end up getting quite a lot (laughs) in the end of this, so. True. I don't know. True. Yeah. But uh, after the funeral, we're um, at Vesuvio's. Yeah. The traditional spot to go after these functions. And Tony reminds uh, Junior of Fran, who he knew. knew Right. Rather intimately as well. Yeah, in a way. I mean, Junior struck out. He kind of tells this sad story of striking out back in the day and how Mm -hmm. he was in love with Fran, and he kind of missed his chance, and then his brother Johnny swooped in, Tony's dad, and then that's how Fran became uh, Johnny's Gumar, and Junior, according to him, had to suffer Suffer in in silence silence. from then on. Yes, the suffering in silence that these characters have to do. So so much suffering in silence. Uh, but you know what? It's he's not, not... <laughs> not really. Yeah, and he's definitely not going to suffer in silence at this, uh, you know, funeral after party or whatever. Cause well, he to immediately... him, it's an after party. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> he's, he's in high spirits, you know. Yeah. He's immediately trying to rouse, you know, more songs. You know, we saw this in the finale of season three. Right. After Jackie Jr.'s death, you know, Jr. really wants to sing songs when someone dies. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But he wants to sing upbeat songs yeah you know and and this is as bobby had mentioned previously in the previous scene that this is all a reaction to his medication that he's taken they're actually it 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 is working 
It's mm-hmm. causing his behavior, his mood to brighten up as well as his memory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's telling people, don't you remember? And yeah, it's given him uh, a new lease on life. Exactly. At least for now. Exactly. So in this next scene, we're introduced to JT Dolan mm-hmm. at an AA meeting. Chris is attending JT played by Tim Daly. That's right. And I think we've mentioned uh, how Tim Daly has significance to David Chase yep. in terms of uh, he starred in a series that David Chase created before Sopranos. Right. Uh, so Tim Daly is here back with Chase again, playing mm-hmm. this like really great character. I think uh, yeah. really fun character, uh, quite an arc. I just yeah. want to say real quick before I get into the details of this scene that, there's really great arcs in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, and it isn't always so clean in this show, episode to episode. Like, oh, the character starts here and ends there. Yeah. But there's three major storylines, and they all have very well-defined beginning, middle, and end yeah. type arcs. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, JT Dolan, yeah. recovering uh, drug addict, alcoholic, and he's just kind of telling his story, and basically we get that Chris is like his friend, his not his sponsor literally, but a great source of support. Yeah. Well, they met at the rehab center that Chris right. went to. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's funny in this uh, scene here, there's a cut to Christopher, who's like listening to Tim, uh, sorry, JT's story. Mm-hmm. And Christopher does a double take on this woman, on this woman's chest. Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He totally is looking at her breasts. Yeah. And he does like a double take at it. And it's just like left in there. (laughs) (laughs) It's really nice. I'm going to have to go back and look for that. Well, remember when you pointed out that in a previous, not the previous episode, maybe it was. I think it was the previous episode. Yeah, when Christopher was looking just constantly like didn't leave focus on... uh, uh, oh, Kim's it? daughter. Kim's daughter, yeah. Yeah, right? no, you're right. So maybe this is genuinely, you know, what Imperioli is bringing to the table as an yeah. acting choice. You or know, he's it's Imperioli. A <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just Michael Imperioli. And if he gets caught, he can always say, like, well, it's Chris. It's yeah, the character. Yeah, exactly. He's kind of sleazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, I, I said how psychologically it's kind of weird to be confronted with your dad's gumar Mm -hmm. and that's uh in the next scene what tony uh is kind of relating to melfi here thinks that actually fran was great for his dad yeah i mean why not better than livia right yeah and again it's just that big reminder and this is a big part of the episode i mean this is sort of the the spine of tony's uh storyline throughout this episode that this just is really about the fact that he's so angry at Livia still. Right. And he needs to hold on to that tight, you know. So normally, you know, if your parents are married, dad cheats on your mom or whatever, you're, you know, going to maybe be angry at your dad or or something Mm -hmm. for hurting your mom. But Tony... No way. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, hey, I agree with with my dad. Whatever. It is what it is. Blames her for his dad's infidelity. Right. It it was infidelity because of Olivia. Yeah. Um, And yeah, yeah. It's like that thing that she's dead now. So all he has is to hold on to whatever grudge he has. Right. To hold. Yeah, exactly. And Fran just kind of symbolizes, though, this older woman. Yeah. And Melfi has to kind of 
give a little wink to Tony about it. <laughs> and he has to say, Come on, she's old enough to be my mother. Oh, Jesus Christ, it's an expression. Don't cream yourself. I do not want to fuck my mother. <laughs> I like how literally Tony takes the Oedipus complex. Seriously. <laughs> literally wanted to fuck my mother. Right. As yeah. if like he thinks Melfi is accusing of having sex <laughs> is accusing him of having sexual desire for his mother right. even as a full grown adult man. <laughs> right. Which is <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, Melfi doesn't have time to explain the edible complex. Like, right. there's not enough time in the day to really get through that. Yeah, so, you know, he's still feeling pretty good about Fran, and he's going to continue to hang out with her. Yeah. We pick up with JT and Chris. They're at IHOP, just mm-hmm. grabbing a late-night snack and kind of chatting. And this is an interesting thing that happens here. Chris confesses that he fell off the wagon, mm-hmm. but very inter interestingly he uh, characterizes it as much less than what it was <laughs> right yeah because we obviously know it was a lot more than just having some wine <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just had a little wine you know because i was worried about my fiance she got in a car accident <laughs> well the truth is yeah, i went on a you bender went on a bender you beat the shit out <laughs> of your fiance did i say wife a second ago? Eh, oh, well, doesn't matter. Fiance, we fiance. all know that that's what eight is. Yeah. Chris's fiance. Uh, then you tried sh- to kill your <laughs> yeah. boss slash uncle. Right. <laughs> so it, it was quite, quite involved. Yeah. And of course, he's chastised heartily uh, by JT. Yeah. But it seems like Chris is like, look, I'm committed to being on the wagon, staying sober. Right. So yeah. I have a Oh, were you going to say something? I have a question for you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it it, it becomes pretty important uh, as this episode progresses. Yeah. Does JT know that Chris is in the mafia? (sighs) Uh, I don't think he understands it. I don't think he knows what that means. I think he has like a a television idea of what that is. Okay. Yeah. He has a cartoonish version of it. He knows that Chris isn't on the up and up. Because I sort of was questioning the storyline as Mm. it went on in terms of some of the things that JT does and some of the choices that he makes. And then I'm like, oh, but it's completely different if he doesn't know who Chris actually is. Sure. You think he he wouldn't be doing what he's doing? Yeah. Yeah. I I think, I I don't think he knows all the details of what comes with Chris's world. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's kind of naive to that. Right. Yeah. Uh, but at this point, we don't really know where this is going. Right. We just see these two guys are friends, and JT is about to take off, and Chris is like, "All right, see ya." Yeah. Yeah. See ya. Uh, and then in this next scene, we return to Uncle Junior mm-hmm. calling Melvoin, his lawyer, and asking if Melvoin can make arrangements with the feds for Junior to um, leave his house. For for another funeral. Well, yeah, he's searching. Yeah. He's scouring the obituary right. like he's looking for a new job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's looking for another dead person he maybe, you know, on right. the fringe is related to. Yeah, and that's weird. <laughs> that's a little weird. <laughs> and it's also just a really funny. I mean, I loved the line uh, that if you actually pay attention to it, uh, Junior's saying that the last time he saw this guy who just died, it was the Bicentennial. 
Right. Which is 1976. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> so ridiculous. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so this is uh this is a weird thing. Yeah. That's developing for Junior, for Definitely. sure. And then we get uh the first of many visits to Fran's house. And what I like is that uh right away Tony finds the photo of her son and a beautiful golden retriever that looks an awful lot like Tippy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like his reaction, the way Gandolfini plays it, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. It's so funny how upset he is. Oh, the kid and the dog. Oh, my son, Bruce. He married an Israeli girl. He's a food service director with LL. No, oh, no, no. The dog. Freckles. He was a gift from your dad. What? Oh, uh, when? Oh, this is my fucking dog. Excuse me, I'm sorry. This was my dog. His name was Tippy. But you got to think about it here. Like, his not not only was his dog not sent upstate to be on a farm with other dogs, or put under as his sister thought. But was given away. His dad gave it to his gumar. Yeah. Of all people. Right. That's psychologically, that's fucked up. Uh yeah, it really is. And this was very amusing to me because I completely sure. forgot about this. Yeah. And when I was watching the earlier scene where he was talking about Tippy, I thought that was kind of just the end of it. I mean, I should have known that they wouldn't have had that whole conversation without it setting something up. Right. But yeah, you know, Janice and Bobby laughing at him saying, hey, the dog was killed, obviously. Yeah. Well, not quite. No. <laughs> but they were correct in that Tony was still deceived, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's got to be crazy. And the performance here is fun also just because you feel like Tony's really regressing in that moment yeah. to being the age he was when the dog was taken away. I know. I know. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great work. It's really good. And I actually really enjoyed the um, performance by Polly Bergen. Or uh, Bergen. Bergen. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, she was well cast for, for this role. Right. Definitely, um, you know, you see these like, bright qualities that come out and most of the time she's talking in story she's talking about the past Mm -hmm. and that's as like an actor like that's not easy to do to kind of all your dialogue is in past tense yeah Yeah. right so but i thought she she did a really good job and you know in this uh scene in particular um this is where I mentioned, like, I, I don't know if she just was subtly playing Tony. Maybe it's just because it's the Sopranos. You mm-hmm. you have to wonder if everybody's, like, playing, you know, a game against Tony or something. Right. But she brings up that racetrack that, you know, she was supposed to get Johnny's share, which is an outrageous thing. Mm-hmm. The, the thought that Tony's dad would give his share of, like, a profitable racetrack to his gumar yeah that's kind of weird and what she was she was gonna run it with hesh and phil leotardo right is that real yeah i don't think i don't think so i don't think they were gonna let her do shit uh yeah clearly not i mean it's it's ridiculous but you get all these fun contrasts throughout this episode because of course another important thing is that tony really relates to his dad obviously Mm -hmm. they both 
had Gumars, right? Yeah. Tony actively has one now. Valentina yeah. has always had one. But you see all these contrasts between the way Tony treats his Gumars and the way that his dad treated his longtime Gumar Fran. Right. And that's kind of a weird thing for Tony where he's like, okay, I wouldn't have given AJ's dog away to a Gumar. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have given her a piece of business, mm-hmm. you know, of business with my, you know, friends right. of the friends of ours community. I wouldn't have had my slippers. Right. You know, residence at her place. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, and this is just the beginning. I mean, there's more and more right. where Tony's going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I like too about this scene when yeah. she shows that old photo of Hesh and mm-hmm. her and Johnny Boy? Yeah. And Hesh's uh, uh, girl at the time. Right. I always enjoy pre Photoshop Photoshop. Yeah. Because, you know, it's 2004. Photoshop was, you know, around, but it wasn't actively used. And this is just a great example where you can tell. It's photoshopped, mm-hmm. but it's actually pretty good. Yeah. So you, got, you got this young Hesh and Johnny boy in a photo that, that you know they couldn't get that photo. Right. Yeah. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. Uh, you know, here's maybe a good time to throw this in here. I mean, it's kind of a tenuous connection, but I don't think we've recorded since they announced that Dickie Moltisanti oh, yeah. has been cast. That's right. So, Many Saints of Newark, Sopranos prequel movie that mm-hmm. is going to go into production next year, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, they got this actor. I brought it up, and now I don't remember his name. <laughs> I mean, he's not a big name actor or anything, but yeah. he has been in many things. Like, I definitely recognized him. Yeah. I was like, oh, that guy. Yeah. Um, Alessandro Nivola. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he looks a little bit like uh, Michael Imperioli, I'd I say. I could see it. Just a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's been in a few things, and that, that should be interesting. Right. See who else is going to be added to this cast. Just made me think about it, because, you know, we're talking a lot about the older generation in yeah. this episode, so just reminded me of that little tidbit. For sure. Well, um, continuing the ride down memory lane, Tony and Fran take a ride to that racetrack, and Tony brings up that he met with Uncle Junior, and then Fran gives us the full story that Uncle Junior is a bit of a creep <laughs> right. and would stand outside her house, a bit of a stalker, freak, kind of calling her up and asking weird things. And that's a really funny characteristic of Junior. Yes. You know, that we don't, we didn't have before. Now we do. Yeah. Yeah. It's so classic. I'm so glad that they added that in there. Yeah. Because, yeah, you see him so sympathetically as this sort of shy lovesick guy yeah. that's how he sees himself right <laughs> but of course the woman sees him as a very different sort of person yeah and then and, yeah. yeah go ahead i was just gonna say she's probably right <laughs> oh yeah yeah um yeah and then we get a conversation here at the racetrack again it's just kind of awkward but to have your dad's gumar ask you about your gumars and your wife mm-hmm. that's that's awkward but tony handles it all right, you know, describes Carmela best he can and their situation as best he can. And that mm-hmm. I, I really like this line where he describes Valentina. Latin, but, you know, from Spain. Right. You have to make a distinction there for Tony. Yeah, of course. It's a little when, racist. When you're racist, <laughs> yeah. exactly. You have to be like, she's, you know, European. Yeah, that Latin. She's not know. from like. The, she's Latin know. like we're Latin. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
not like south of the border. <laughs> right. know, I mean. So yeah, no, that is funny. Um, I think there's like a important moment too. Uh, just jumping back real quick mm-hmm. when they're in the car. Yeah, and then uh, Fran kind of makes a bit of a catty comment about Livia. She was a handsome woman, your mother. Not sexy exactly, but um, statuesque. And you could see Tony get a little yeah. miffed. A little uncomfortable. Yeah. And you're like, okay, maybe there's something more to this because Tony hates Livia so much. We mm-hmm. get that. But then when she makes that comment, Fran, about Livia's looks and how she sort of didn't look good, right? Tony is a bit pissed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's a good point because Fran is the one who brings up Livia. Right. Every time. Okay, this next scene is funny to me. Okay. Because... It is very odd to see Christopher in a franchise establishment. Like Mm -hmm. he's obviously in some sort of 24 hour fitness gym that it just, he seems totally out of place being there. And it's like, you know, this is JT's place to work out and not Christopher's place to work out. It's so bizarre. It's so, it's so weird seeing him. I agree. You know what I mean? It would be like if we went into a McDonald's and it's like, no, Christopher doesn't do McDonald's. He exactly. goes to like the pizza place down the street. It's weird. Yeah. It's a weird thing to see. No, I love it. Actually, that's true. He does seem very out of place there. Yeah. And this conversation with JT, you get to sort of see, all right, I understand now where this is going. Mm-hmm. Because Chris noticed that JT kind of left abruptly the other night when they were at the IHOP. So Chris is like, hey, obviously you were running to go score. Right. It's time for you to confess that you fell off the wagon just mm-hmm. like I did. Yeah. And JT's like, no, actually, I didn't fall off the wagon, but <laughs> I do enjoy gambling. Yes. So I went to do a little bit of gambling at the racetrack. And then quickly, Christopher accepts that as mm-hmm. an answer and then shifts quickly into, I'll spot you. Yeah. I'll take your action. And this is the beginning of something that we've sort of seen well not sort of we have seen this with tony twice in the show so far Mm -hmm. right the uh scorpion and the frog dynamic and it's kind of fun to see that happen here with chris Chris. of course we saw it tony and dave scatino yep and then tony and Artie. right uh so that's just part of tony's you know personality unconscious and now we're seeing it with chris a little unconscious too yeah Yeah, and you gotta remember it's just we could see it in Silvio. We could mm-hmm. see it in Polly. This is just what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's how these guys make their money. Yeah. Next, Tony and Fran walking arm in arm. We get a little bit more of the Oedipal implications. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony says, hey, you're really classy. And she's like, yeah, like your girlfriend. And it's like, oh, that's a little strange. You're like 80 <laughs> years old. <laughs> and you fucked my dad. Uh, but anyway. Uh, They're at the track, and the key thing that happens here is that they see, uh, coincidentally, that the track is about to close. It has just been sold. Right. Well, this was important because the whole reason that they're there is because Tony kind of wanted to check it out, and he sort of implied that he would help her recover the money that, you know, Hesh had denied her, which, of course, leads us directly into the next scene in which Tony confronts Hesh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and asks Hesh, you know... This money this whole time that was my dad's and you gave Fran how much? $500? And my dad, it was my dad's wishes. You were his friend. I'm your friend. You didn't even tell me about this. 
Now, this is all like incidental. Like Tony's not really that butthurt mm-hmm. uh, about it, but it's really funny that Hesh calls him out for not being a real friend. Only yeah. if he needs to use him at 2 a.m. in the morning to talk therapy. Right. Which is a great callback. It is. It's so it's so good and so good to Tony's reaction to it as well. He's like, yeah. one time. <laughs> it was one time. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it was awesome to have that. And I also like how funny it is that this the whole issue, like you said, Tony's not that butthurt about it. But a big reason why is because um, Hesh instantly says, well, hey, you're going to get a piece of it. It's fine. Like, if you want a piece of the sale, you got it. No problem. And so that kind of resolves the issue right there. Well, as long as Phil plays ball. Right. Because he is part of that transaction as well. Of course. Yeah. But then we get an interesting uh, fade to black here. We don't get a lot of fade. I made a note of that too. Right? Fade to black. Fade into black. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't usually get that, but, you know, it's a Buscemi choice. Yeah. I liked his two shot there. Uh, right. Just the two guys sharing a drink from, from behind them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, S- Steve Buscemi, of course, did direct Pine Barrens, mm-hmm. which is many people's favorite episode of the show. So I always pay attention uh, closely when he directs because yeah. he always has some nice, like, standout stylistic choices. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course, we... We get some uh, quick scenes here. Uh, Junior's at his lawyer's office, who does an outstanding job, as as Junior comments. You know, he's worth every fucking penny. Right. Um, argues for the visit for another funeral. This isn't even the funeral that we saw Junior on the phone with him about. This is a completely different one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, gets the attorneys to agree that Junior can go out for five hours. Next scene, Junior getting ready. To go out, put her on his best. Yeah. Looking good. Yeah. Old mobster, fedora and all. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we're still like, what's going on? What the hell is this yeah. about? Yeah, right. Why is Junior trying to go to every funeral in town? Yeah. And so happy about it. JT shows up at the Bing to collect his winnings from Chris. Yeah. So they got into, you know, a little bit of, um, well, I get, you know, Chris took JT's action, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, JT won. Great for him. But uh, he notices that Chris looks a little down Mm -hmm. and he's thinking that it's because Chris is sad that like he had to pay JT instead of just keeping his money. But Chris is like, I smoked a little weed. Right, right. Yeah. And that's Chris kind of showing a little weakness, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we've seen Christopher sober and we just automatically assume he's clean and sober. But he's obviously still, it's a struggle. Right. Something that he's struggling with. And even before that, you know, JT realizes he actually loves gambling. Mm-hmm. He didn't before, but now, you know, he's thinking poker. He's thinking high stakes. <laughs> yeah. You know, Chris is like, well, I got those David Lee Roth high stakes if you want high stakes. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, JT really kind of putting a smackdown on Christopher for not reaching out to somebody. Why wouldn't you reach out to me? Like, reach <laughs> out to me. And I right. think that's really important, you know, that JT is doing it at this point. Um, and I love Chris's response too. I just wanted to see if I could get high like a normal person. Right. And of course, JT saying, we're not normal. Plus you wanted to meet in a bar, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of all places. Exactly. And at this point I'm thinking, how is Chris going to get this guy to like really gamble? 
Right. You know, because that's kind of the key. Chris is not like licking his chops in this scene or whatever. As JT notices, Chris seems a little subdued, actually. Mm -hmm. But when he hears that JT really wants to get into it, eh, yeah. Yeah. That's something. Yeah. We get a very short sit down here, but of sit downs, I, I love sit downs. Me too. This is a good scene. This is a good scene because Phil Leotardo, he's now playing a bigger and bigger role mm-hmm. in the show. Uh, Johnny acting boss, not uh, fully official yet, but in this capacity to mediate this sit down between Hesh and Tony and Phil over the sale of this land and the racetrack uh, makes a decision. On behalf of Tony, which they probably agreed upon, you know, prior to mm-hmm. Tony's going to get like one, 105,000, 25% has to come from Phil's end of it, which is like 40 grand as Phil points out. And, uh, yeah, Phil, not too pleased in this moment to be shaken down by some kid. Exactly. And he's going to give it up. That's what he says he will do, mm-hmm. but then he's got to make that comment. You got some balls, kid. I'll give you that much. You'll give me what I tell you to give All me. All the time. Right, Take it easy. Take it easy. Fuck that. This ain't the 70s, and I'm not a kid. Relax. It's an expression. Well, here's another expression. You got five days to give me my money. I, I, always, I always thought, like, The Sopranos never has to hit a line. It doesn't have to be the best line in the world. And so you're leading up to it thinking he's going to like lay down the best expression for this perfect moment. Mm-hmm. No, it's yeah. just like, here's an expression. Give me my money. Right. Yeah. No, I love it because Tony has to put him in his place immediately. Yeah. It's just part of being the boss of maintaining that respect yeah. at all times and not uh, relaxing or ever being complacent. You know, I yeah. enjoy that. Plus, he's part of the New Jersey crew, which right. doesn't get any respect. Yeah. As a real family. Right. After Tony leaves, that is what Phil points out. Yeah. Tony's back with Fran. He shares the good news that Mm -hmm. they have basically parsed out how the profits are going to go. And Fran can expect a hefty chunk of change from the sale. Yeah. She got exactly what she wanted. It literally paid off for her. Right. Running into Tony at the cemetery. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, is it a coincidence she was there? Did he? Did she know he was going to be there? <laughs> right. I don't know. I think Fran's devious. Yeah. But uh, in her excitement, she uh, pulls out this old handkerchief she has. It mm-hmm. happens to have the initials of John F. Kennedy. This is, I think, something that has a lot to do with the title of our show. Yeah. Of our episode today. In Absolutely. Camelot. Yeah. Camelot being the... Uh, myth that I guess Jackie I guess the story is that Jackie Kennedy after his death like days after Mm -hmm. did a interview with time and perpetuated this myth that his cabinet was the myth of Camelot right something like that yeah you know I've never known exactly what it was but yeah, this Camelot notion is—it's always sort of been, uh, you know, representative, I guess, of talking about the Kennedys. Yeah. And when you think about it, as many people have have pointed out and always will point out, the Kennedys are in a weird way like the closest thing America has to royalty, just in That's the right. way that they're viewed. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so Fran and JFK had a thing. 
Yeah. And this uh, leads into one of her stories about that meeting, about that time. I assume you caught and had a, a nice moment when she said that Jackie Gleason was at the party. Yeah. As well. And it's just, and, and at that moment, that's when Tony, you know, he's reacted. She's like, oh, you know, people were there, this person, this person, Jackie Gleason. He's like, no shit. Right. You know, so it's even giving Tony like a, a moment of like starstruck. I mean, this is like the third. They're really into it. Yeah. This season. I feel like this is the third uh, reference to Gleason what was the, in the season. So we saw him watching a sh- episode. Right. And then, and then, uh, Bushimi, Tony B with yeah. the boy, are you fat? Oh, that's right. That's a Gleason line, also. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. they just loved it. I've still yeah. never seen an episode of The Honeymooners. I feel like I should watch one. Probably. It's probably yeah. a little dated. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you want to see like, you know, semi uh, domestic abuse and right, <laughs> you know tearing down your friends yeah that's that's it well i mean i kind of get that from this show so yeah, clearly right? yeah. i enjoy that <laughs> yeah yeah um and then again back to fran she brings up livia mm-hmm. right she remembers a time when livia was dressed up for new year's she looked like a refugee yeah so she says yeah and again that's on that note tony gets up and he's like you know what uh you're gonna have to put a hold on the coffee right i got a i got a meeting right i gotta go Right. But it's funny how slowly and slowly Fran and Tony's relationship is mirroring a Gumar and man relationship. Right. It's weird. Yeah. And it's weird, too, because I definitely felt like they probably would have had that relationship if she wasn't obviously in her 70s or like pushing 80. Like, if she was closer to Tony's age, he probably would be sleeping with her. You know, Maybe. just in terms of her personality and and what she's into. Yeah. So it is still a little bit weird for Tony, I think, because the reason why I say it's a bit weird, one of the big reasons is I think in his mind, he's like, if you were younger and the same, if you were the same person, but younger, I probably would be sleeping with you. Yeah. Well, he saw her photo. Right. The first time he came over and was like, oh, right. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so maybe but from there uh we move into a little executive game that jt has uh, been invited to um nothing good ever happens with these things (laughs) no they really don't (laughs) uh and christopher is there but he's gonna take off he's gonna leave uh, jt to his gambling and uh veto is just gobbling him up (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, i'm gonna reference that later on please do (laughs) (laughs) yes i think i know where you're going with that and uh yeah i hope you remember to reference it yeah but he's already losing very he's losing big already yeah yeah chris tries to pull him away oh yeah he does his best doesn't he but jt brushes him off yeah (laughs) <laughs> and he's like almost agitated. He's almost like annoyed by Chris. Right. He's like, no, I'm staying and I need to like win. Yeah. Gambling. It's a real addiction. Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, uh, Vito's uh, landing uh, cowboys and tree little Indians. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to have a rough night. Never knew Vito was such a good card player. Who knew? I know. He just had to become a ca- captain, you know? Right. He had to move up. 
And then we can see his true talents. Exactly. Speaking of true talents. Oh, yeah. I have to ask in this next scene, is it funny when you are the actress that plays Valentina mm-hmm. and you have one scene in an episode <laughs> <laughs> and you really don't even have dialogue? No, not really. And the scene calls for you to just lie on your back and get banged. Sure. And that's yeah. it. That's your day's work. Yeah. I mean... I imagine she lied down first, yeah. and then she was like, okay, now James Gandolfini is going to lie on top of you. Right. Um, enjoy it, and give your best, give it yeah. your all, and uh, it'll be like five seconds. Right. Yeah. It's like that. I think there was a sketch where people were calling their moms and dads saying like, I got this, I got, you know, I got this uh, role, I got... Um, I have to be naked. I get like fucked and like, they're describing all this nasty stuff. And it's like, but it's on HBO. And they're right. like, Oh, great. Prestigious. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. It's not just television. It's HBO. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, she's, she's getting her airtime. Yeah. Yeah. But then, uh, Tony, it's just so funny because it doesn't make much sense here that Tony would make any true connection, but he mm-hmm. sees a picture of a dog. Mm-hmm. doesn't even look like his dog. No. But of course he has it in his mind and he's fucking his gumar. Right. While he sees a picture of a dog that reminds him of his dog that was given to his dad's gumar. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> talk about a tough scene to, to act. It's there. funny though. It yeah. Is. Cause it's clearly really messing with his head. Right. And he just keeps pumping away like so strenuously just almost to block it out. Like at this point, He's not, I don't think he's trying to give her any pleasure whatsoever. He's just trying to like lose himself in it. So he doesn't have to think about this weird relationship that's yeah. developing with his father's Gumar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we come to a little revelation for what's going on with Junior. He's getting a little antsy mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. Bobby comes over, drops off some groceries for him. But then Bobby's got to leave real quick because he's got to get flowers for the dry cleaner's kid. Junior immediately hops onto that and wants to get out and go to the funeral because he's going crazy. And you got to love it because, well, number one, it's so super tragic. Seven-year-old kid that drowned. I mean, that's horrific. Right. Junior's perky as ever, though. <laughs> right. He's like, oh, wait, this is another funeral opportunity. And yeah. I like how Melvoin, you know, his super sleazy lawyer, right. <laughs> even Melvoin is like, this is a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> Your dry cleaner's son. Yeah, exactly. No, that's really good. But yeah, Junior is going stir crazy. Mm-hmm. Chris returns to the executive game yeah. to find JT down $60,000. Yeah. Now, This is interesting because Christopher comes in expecting, but also not expecting JT to be there because he says, I've been calling you for the last day. And then he comes in, like he just happens to go back to the executive game and say, holy shit, you're still here. Right. So it's weird that he just comes, like he he does find JT there. Yeah. But he had been calling JT. I don't know. There was something weird about that. Sure. That just kind of stood out. But yes. Importantly, he is down 57,000. Yeah. Becomes 60,000 because he asks Chris if he can spot him for the meantime. And then Chris lays out all the details right. of how he's going to have to get his money back to him. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the payment plan. The VIG. And 
JT seems so shocked and he seems kind of I would say he seems nonplus about it. Like, yeah, he, he's just kind of like, oh, sure. Yeah, right. You're going to ask me for the money later. Right. OK. But he is kind of I mean, he is sort of indignant, right? It's in the scene where he's like, wait, you're charging me big. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. But and I think like, yeah, that's the first shock. Mm-hmm. But I still don't think he understands the true meaning of what this is. Yeah. And it's not the same as Davy. Right. Davy was an addict. Right. Davy was like a mess. Now, JT is a mess, but I think at the same time, his close relationship with Christopher, it's not like he's, I think he's just naive to what it all means. I think Davey knew exactly what it means, but his addiction was clouding it. Right. I think for, for JT, it's just naivete that's kind of clouding his understanding of what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Like how serious it is. Yeah, he didn't grow up in this world or anywhere near it. He doesn't know anything about it. Right. And yeah, you're absolutely right. He's very naive. Also, there's the plot point that he feels like he's about to get a job on Law & Order. Right. <laughs> Writing uh, for Law & Order. Dick right? Wolf. Yeah, I mean, wait, this whole time, have we talked about the fact that JT is a TV writer? That's no, his whole thing? I was going to I was gonna bring yeah. this up later on, but it's so funny how they, like, the how Terrence Winter and the writing staff mm-hmm. just, like, trash TV yeah. and writers. Yeah. And the whole experience altogether. TV writing specifically because... Emmys, yeah, the whole thing. Of course, that's Fuck what... It. Yeah, that's what all of these, uh, you know... Uh, show creators are right? right uh they're tv writers they've obviously been on staffs before this so they get a they get in a lot of digs at their profession <laughs> here's another interesting thing uh and this was from a bunch of scenes ago mm-hmm. but they referenced this show with paul sorvino called that's life that apparently jt used to work on right that's actually like a really funny dig and I feel like that's got to come direct from David Chase because I just was like, wait, is there any significance to that show? That's life, yeah. which Chris calls a fake Guinea fest. Mm. And so I did a Wikipedia search and it turns out that it was a show that premiered a year after the Sopranos premiered. Okay. And it was about a, it was about an Italian American family in the same area where the Sopranos live. The big difference was that it was about a super law-abiding, like, warm family. And it literally takes place in, like, the same neighborhood and, you know, was on the air sort of at the same time. Not for as long, obviously. It failed after, like, one or two seasons, I think. But I feel like that was David Chase being like, yeah, fuck that show. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great detail. Oh, well, now we get true comedy. In this next scene, mm-hmm. Tony rolling up down the street, and who does he see coming out of a shop with an ice cream cone? <laughs> of all things, is <laughs> Phil Leotardo. He stops his car, gets out. He knows Phil can hear him. He has to get all the way up to his car door, and Phil says, "Gotta go, gotta yeah. meet Johnny in the city." Right, speeds off, and then duck the, at him. The car chase ensues, and this is. I mean, that actually is my favorite line. I'm not going to cite it as my favorite line, but I just love (laughs) how Tony, you know, is approaching Phil all smiles. And then when he realizes that Phil is going to just straight up duck him because he doesn't want to pay. Hey, Tony, I got to meet John down the restaurant. Gandalfini goes, fucking cocksucker. 
That is so great. Just the way he says it. It (laughs) It runs back to his SUV uh, for the chase. Yeah, Rock the Casbah continues on the radio (laughs) as he forces Phil into a car crash, Mm -hmm. gets out of his car, roughs Phil up, (laughs) and and basically, you know, we did a classic scene, but it's obviously a boss doing it to a captain of another crew right uh that's kind of a big deal but at the same time phil is ducking him yeah so tony is in his right (laughs) to fuck shit up i like it when tony does stuff like this where it just reminds you that even though he's you know a boss he's not above getting his hands dirty with simple things like this like roughing up a guy because the guy owes him money at the end of the day you know tony's just like just a straightforward gangster Mm -hmm. you know if you duck them, there's going to be consequences. Yeah. And of course, this is kind of how we got introduced to Tony right in the very first episode. Yeah. That was like the first like That's big right. thing he did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. More comedy in this next scene, although of a considerably darker variety, I yeah. would say, where you see, you know, the picture of the dead child, yeah. his whole family grieving weeping. Mother. Yeah, grieving mother, you know, they're at the house after the burial and everything, you know. Uh, Junior, chipper <laughs> as ever. Yeah, I love. I I just love it. It's, it's so funny. Just yeah. his his excitement to just be out, and it doesn't matter. Bobby wants to go. Junior's like, we just got here. It's just, mm-hmm. it's very nice. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And then from there, uh, next day, Chris comes to collect, and I think it's not good. I think you would agree. Mm-hmm. To tell Christopher you went to Atlantic City the previous night and, you know, don't have the money. So this is the thing where I'm just like, okay, I guess there's no reason why JT would know. It's not like Chris walks around advertising to no. civilians. I hey, don't think he knows. I'm a made man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Cause he would be more afraid. Yeah, exactly. Like you have to pay Chris or he's going to like, you know, I mean, I guess it's the same thing where it's like you and me, like if like, you know, I owed you some money okay and if i just continuously wasn't paying it yeah i would expect you to get annoyed i would break your legs (laughs) where's my money there you go where's my money exactly yeah your voice would turn into that exactly but no i mean i get it it's that funny thing where it's like okay yeah i could expect you to get annoyed after a while but i would never think like oh gavin's gonna like kick my ass over this If we're in a situation yeah. where you owed me $57,000 <laughs> plus the VIG, right. I, then, don't know. I don't know. That's a yeah. lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that is a good point. But Chris comes in all business. Yeah. You know, now he's he's got to come to collect. And I again, another reference to a past episode where Chris mentions like, you know, that Dick Wolf thing might not go through. I've had bad experience fucking john favreau yeah (laughs) yeah so these red flags with fran are just popping up one by one by one right here's another one tony with fran at vesuvio uh and he's got to judge her a little bit because she just spent six hundred dollars on a pair of kicks yeah she's supposed to pay her phone bill right right that and that was the advance yeah that he gave her that was his own money right that wasn't any part of the the transaction that occurred, and yeah, that's a little irritating. You know, he pat he plays it off because okay, she hasn't. But this is again like 
Was Fran just using Tony? Yeah. Or is he just being like forced into the role of you do nice things for your Gumar? Right. Because she does nice things for you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's not getting a good end of that deal other than going down memory lane. Right. And yeah, get, getting like to a, see like. At least a, yeah. a reach around or something. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> what? Uh, we're all thinking it. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Let's so, get, you know, the Twitter audience <laughs> to uh, weigh in on that. Maybe we need, <laughs> we need a little poll. A little Would poll. you, if you were Tony, accept a reach around from Fran Is right. or yeah. no? Yeah, I haven't seen the, that, that poll out there yet. So. Yeah. Uh, I love briefly, we get Artie coming by to drop something off at the table and he just gives a look mm-hmm. at both of them like at tony like who is this yeah what is what this is this this, uh, this time what now yeah and then yeah. another waiter comes by with drinks mm-hmm. fran says my knight in white shining armor you know i mean mm-hmm. if we're gonna pick little spots where the title could come from here's another little reference that Fran drops in of something Camelot-ish. Yeah. Knight in white shining armor there's some little things later on too um, that come up just like in reference. Oh, that's but, funny. Cause it made me think of course of the, um, the second season title, oh, Night sure. in white satin armor mm-hmm. directed by our recent guest, Alan yeah. Coulter. Friend of the show. Yeah. Chris arrives at JT's again mm-hmm. and, uh, JT still seems to have no idea who Chris <laughs> is. Little Polly is in tow. Yes. Is this the first time we've really seen little Polly like go into action? I think so. Because he's always sort of been a somewhat silly figure, yeah, bit of a part, clown. He was, yeah, he was part of the Dick uh, drawing on New York's restaurant. Oh, right. Yeah, he was a part of that. But that wasn't physically laying hands on another no, human true. being. Yeah. Uh, but he does do that here with Chris. JT does not get it, doesn't have the money, doesn't seem like he's urgently trying to get it. And he's like, hey, Chris, just sort of piss off. You I mean, know? He, yeah, he says to him. What could you possibly do to me that I haven't done? And Chris's great line, I'm positive we'll think of something. Yeah. Smack in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, proceeds to administer the beat down. Yep. Uh, takes the Dr. Strangelove poster off the wall. Yeah. Smashes <laughs> JT in the head with it. I like the, the use of uh, memorabilia yeah. in this episode. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Yeah. It's interesting, too, that it always has to... It always has to come to beating the shit out of somebody, right? All right. I mean, obviously that's the case, but at the same time, I wish these guys would be able to work things out. <laughs> right. Well, that's the difference between these guys and like your credit card company. You know, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Can you refinance this ass kicking you're giving me? <laughs> right. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, well, so from there, um, Uncle Zio Nicola Nicolo dies. And we're at another funeral. Uh, I actually read this uh, online. This has the most deaths out of any episode, <laughs> but they're not murders. Right. There's five total deaths, mainly because Junior's <laughs> going to every single one of them. <laughs> uh, but I thought that was a funny fact. Yeah. That out of every episode, this one has the most. That's a fun one, bit. Of... In one episode. I like that trivia. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's ridiculous, yeah. but true. Yeah, so uh, again, close family are there. Carmela is there. Meadow, AJ, uh, Tony's are there. Bobby Mm -hmm. is there. And then we got Junior just sitting alone on the side. 
And, you know, unlike before when Father Phil was giving the eulogy at the end and talking about, he's now talking about the love between these two was, was so powerful that only a week or so later he left earth to be with her and that that was a great love. And out of nowhere, you get Junior fucking breaking down. Like, yeah. we never seen him cry like this. He is a wreck. He's losing it. He's saying, what's the point of it all? He has to be escorted away. Yeah. This is completely opposite from what we've been experiencing this whole episode. Exactly. Very sad. Yeah. We thought he'd be really happy. He was so casual and chipper. No longer. So here's another great uh, writing slam. Yeah. By writers. <laughs> about writers. Yeah. Because JT, the writer, walks in with the Emmy that he won, right. tries to pawn it, and the pawn shop owner is like, your Emmy's worthless. Oh, well, $15. Is not nothing. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty bad. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's about like the same that I could hope to fetch for like an AYSO trophy. Sure, <laughs> you know, sure. that's not even real gold. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like that. You know, the added dig of hey, maybe it w- if it was an Academy Award, right. but TV, come on. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, poor JT. So he's going to go out and see if he can hawk his laptop instead. The following scene, you know, I guess off screen, JT did succeed in coming up with 1200 because little Polly hands the 1200 to Chris and adds that JT is way off the wagon. Right. Yeah. Way off. And that disappoints Christopher. Yeah. It's disappointing. He's appalled. (laughs) And now we move into our final scene between Tony and Fran. And she is really becoming his number one Gumar, isn't she? She's (laughs) about to serve up some filet mignon. Right. Get comfortable, relax, try this, you know, bacon-wrapped deliciousness in this duck sauce. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, they're drinking sherry or whatever. It's just, you know, this is becoming uh, a little too casual. And the money exchange, right? right? It's everything except for the sex. Yeah, right. Uh, Well, then she does go into another one of her stories. And this time, Tony can't let it just go because she talks about how she wanted to pick up some cigarettes while his dad had emphysema and was dying from it. Right. And kind of pisses him off there. Of course... She notices a bag that he has brought, and he shares with her his JFK sailor's hat. And then we get the most awkward <laughs> minute of television ever created. Oh, yeah. Jesus. They milked it, and they did such a great job making this. She did the whole thing. She sang yeah. the whole happy birthday. Happy birthday to oh god cringeworthy exactly like marilyn monroe too yeah she tried to do it exactly like i mean it was a good job by her also her dress Mm -hmm. is kind of that skin nude Mm -hmm. color she is almost i mean she appears like she's just in her birthday suit yeah 
It's disgusting. <laughs> Again. Yeah, and this is all very intentional. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it's supposed to creep <laughs> you the fuck out. <laughs> and it really does. Yeah. And just that shot, it, it all plays. It just one shot, you know, then cut to Tony. Disturbed. Not amused at all. I got to say, too, he actually gave her all of the money. Because I was waiting for her to get like the poly walnuts treatment <laughs> in which, you know, you, we learn the actual number that Tony got. Right. 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 But then we see what he passed on. Here's one for you. Yeah. One for me, <laughs> two for you and one, two for me. But Hey, she's right. Tony yeah. is a gentleman. He actually gave her the full take. He didn't profit off of that deal at all. Yeah. Yeah. No gentlemen. And now we come to a far gone JT Christopher over there. And it's it's such a good moment here because, of course, Chris is blaming JT for losing it and not calling him mm -hmm. when he couldn't because he is the one, although Chris says, I will not enable you, enabled him right, and has put him in this situation, <laughs> put him back on drugs, right? all of it. That's the great joke of this storyline, that Chris is completely oblivious right. to his role in his friend's downfall. <laughs> he doesn't see the fact that JT is using heroin mm -hmm. after being proudly on the wagon for so long right. to the fact that the cause of the stress prompting the heroin use is Chris himself. Yeah. It's just really, really funny. No, he it's sees great. the two things as completely unrelated, or he's just in denial about it. Tim Daly's great. Yeah. His reaction here is just priceless. Right. Uh, you know, Chris not understanding this, but it, they do this interesting cut here uh, that you're probably caught where mm -hmm. Chris kind of ends by resting his head on his hand. Mm -hmm. Cut to Tony at Melfi's resting. His hand on his head in the same yeah, position. Yeah, right. It was a nice little yeah. cut there. Yeah. I like that. In therapy, Tony demonstrates that he's finally turned against the Johnny-Fran relationship. And this is what we're talking about when we're talking about arcs, right? Mm -hmm. Beginning of this episode, he was all for it, didn't judge his dad, didn't judge his dad's mistress, wanted to be friends with her. Right. But now he's like, actually, it was a pretty fucked up situation with them. Yeah. Yeah. And it was actually, you know, we haven't heard him complain about his dad before. Mm -hmm. But this is a, a big complaint that takes us through a flashback. Right. We haven't had these flashbacks before. And we haven't seen teenage Tony Never. before. But here he is, long, beautiful hair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, 16... Very svelte, by the way. Yes. 16-year-old, um, we learned that his mom was pregnant yeah. with another child yeah. after Barbara, um, but there were some complications and bleeding. And this is terrible. This is horrible, where Tony is there alone taking that note, can't reach his dad, took his dad forever to get back, took them forever to get to the hospital. And Livia, played by a different actress, this time mm -hmm. that we do get the same actor for Johnny boy mm -hmm. lying there in the hospital accuses in front of Tony of Johnny being with Fran and then Johnny using his son who's standing right there 
as an alibi for why he didn't show up soon enough and forcing his son, forcing Tony to lie to his mother in a very big way. Yeah. And Tony recognized that, that she could have died. Right. She could have died that night. This is such a powerful moment for the character. I agree. And I think that it's something I mentioned earlier that Tony sees all these contrasts between how he treats Gumar's and how his dad treated his Gumar, right? right? And this is something that Tony gets emotional about because he never would do this to Carmella. Never. If Carmella was in like actual trouble of any kind, but especially of like a health concern of some kind, he wouldn't be laid up with Valentina. No. Or Irina or something like that, you know? So the fact that his dad did do that, Tony's like, no, actually, I got to judge my dad for that. He wasn't really a great guy, maybe, in a lot of ways. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we've seen Tony do this, remember, in Pine Barrens. Right. He got a call from Christopher who's like, we're fucking dying. Mm -hmm. And Tony left a psychotic Gloria. (laughs) Right. With, you know, the London broil. But what's so fascinating is Tony still cannot use this opportunity, as Melfi wants him to, to forgive his mother. Listen to me. This is very important. Your mother had her faults. But after all this time, what should we do with the old woman? Have an auto de fe? Burn her at the stake? You need to forgive her and move on. Mm, he can't do that. Right. He's just not ready. He's got to hold on. She's like, let it go already. Yeah. And then he has to, you know, turn it around and say, hey, you know what? That dog, you know, so what? He gave it to the Gumar. My mother would have, you know, wanted it killed. Yeah. Oh, God. You really got to feel for JT at this moment. Oh, man. Now he's giving up his beamer. Yeah. The way that Chris is treating this situation, if I was JT... I'd be so livid. Like it wouldn't even like, I wouldn't be questioning it anymore. I'd just be pissed off. Right. But at this point, like JT is now, he is a part of this world. He gets it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he's just been destroyed. And Christopher's just being a kind of a dick about it. Yeah. But still in a way that like Chris seems to not understand the role that he played. Right. Where he's just kind of like, hey, this is all fair, you know, whatever. Like, you got in debt, so you just have to pay. Right. Like, that's it. Uh, And, hey, I'm still your friend otherwise, (laughs) even though I beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Even though I'm the reason that you're on heroin again and have to give up everything and you didn't get your job, you're totally screwed. You're going back to rehab. (laughs) Right. There's What does he say there? He says... There's no chemical solution to a spiritual problem. (laughs) It's like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Don't be patronizing. But it's great. Yeah, he's so cheery as, you know, JT is at absolute rock bottom. Yeah. And Chris is like, well, yeah, you know, you'll you'll pull it together. You'll figure it out. Yep. Have fun. Anyway, get the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they're also in the parking lot of IHOP. So it's like a nice bookend there. Yeah, it is. You know, just that, that clear arc again you know jt started up he was super sober empowered yeah he was moving forward he was great and now he's like just shambles basically homeless yeah (laughs) so we get a somber downbeat scene again the closing of an arc junior started up now Mm -hmm. he's down 
he's at the doctor with Tony and Janice and Junior's saying like, all right, yeah, maybe change the medication. It's not going to matter. I'm going to be super depressed no matter what anyway. Yeah. Life is horrible. I've got nothing to live for. Yeah. He's, he's extremely down and he's tried upping the meds. Hasn't Mm -hmm. worked. You know, what are you going to do in this case? Like he's just like miserable. Right, and you see that all of that happiness, it was just forced and phony and fake, and it was it was just um, a facade mm. to cover the deep sadness, right? Yeah. And the sense of feeling trapped that Junior has. Yeah, and so this leads us to our final scene with uh, Tony and the guys hanging out. Artie's there mm-hmm. as well, uh, telling the guys about his dad's gumar. And because right. he's with the guys, he's painting a different picture than what he experienced and what he shared with Melfi. Um, here's another, you know, kind of Camelot reference. He says she was like a princess. Right. Um, but yeah, but this is obviously so psychologically disturbing. Yeah. To Tony. Yeah. It, it's just the, the end of the scene is so intense. The music's intense. The look on Tony's face is intense. He's just burying his like confusion and sorrow in alcohol. Right. And it obviously has royally fucked him up. And like you said, his arc is completely different. Yeah. And the embellishment, too, mm-hmm. about what Fran was to JFK. Fran makes it really clear. We literally just had like one night together and I never saw him ever again, except on television. Yeah. But then Tony is lying his ass off through this scene being like bragging about it. Like, Oh yeah. My dad's Gumar who I'm friends with. She was JFK's most serious mistress. Right. Almost broke up his marriage to you know jackie oh yeah and yeah exactly he characterizes it as this whole thing that it wasn't and yeah, yeah like you said he's got to bury it all down he knows that he just told a bunch of lies yeah. and he just feels super weird yeah. uh fun little detail too yeah. is john ventimiglia of course is in this scene as Artie, and i believe that what kind of led to him being cast in this show was David Chase being a fan of this movie, Trees Lounge, okay. which has John Ventimiglia in it. The director of Trees Lounge is Steve Buscemi. Huh. Interesting. All these little connections. Look at that. Michael oh. Imperioli's in that movie, too. Wow. So, like, Gotta tre- watch it. Yeah, like, Trees Lounge and Goodfellas are, like, the two parents of this show's cast. Hmm. That's nice to know. Well, on that note, this uh, concludes this episode of The Soprano Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Uh, credits. Another Gleason reference. Oh. That's the Honeymooners theme. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Wow. So many. Right. Glad we caught on early <laughs> yeah. to that. Uh, yeah, but join us next week for next week's episode. Until then, if you're enjoying the podcast and you'd like to support it, there are many ways to do that. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and we're on Spotify. Woo! So you can subscribe there. They have a very clean and nice uh, podcast player there. You don't have any distractions or anything like that. You just subscribe, get the latest episode. Again, you can like us on TuneIn, and you can ask ask your alexa device to play the latest episode of the sopranos you know all that good stuff you know the the jargon i usually 
dispose here. You guys know what to do. Yeah. But like we do with every episode, we end with our favorite line. My favorite line uh, does come from a junior moment uh, at the poor seven-year-old boy's funeral. Yeah. um, Where Bobby does approach him and say, it's about time to go. And Junior says, Relax, we just got here. Chicken's nice and spicy, huh? (laughs) (laughs) That was good. He's just too excited. Too excited. Too excited. Yeah. Uh, No, and I love that you picked that as your favorite line because it's kind of a a nice companion to my favorite line. Okay. Which is also Junior. Gotcha. But a very different Junior. I mean, I was pretty moved when at the end of the episode he said, My life is only death. I'm living in a grave. I beat prison, and for what? I have no children. Would somebody please explain this to me? Yeah. No, that, that line really was touched. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good point, too. Yeah. 